Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Josh Marshall podcast. We got a big shock yesterday when we found out that Tucker Carlson had been fired from Fox News. You know, we didn't we didn't immediately know he had been fired over maybe he left, maybe he quit for some reason. Um, but pretty quickly, we got some indication of the fact that it was with immediate effect. So no final episode, no, uh, you know, last couple weeks of episode, you know, he's out immediately his 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 emails turned off all that kind of stuff you know when chris wallace left uh fox news for cnn i guess what was it last year maybe it was i don't know exactly when it was in the last year to year or two and uh you know announced that he was leaving but you know you announced that you're 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 moving somewhere else and you know it's a couple of weeks or something like that and as we what we learned uh over the next few hours is some, you know, that he got the call that morning. They were advertising for some, I don't know, uh, uh, special or, you know, some, some, uh, some Tucker Carlson thing they were, they were doing promos for Monday morning. So this happened, he gets a call. It's almost with an immediate effect that a statement is put out. He's gone. And this is something that unlike, you know, there are, uh, I think when 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 the Trump indictment finally came down, we didn't expect it that day. You know, we'd been expecting it six weeks before or eight weeks before. And then I think a couple of days before it came out, they put out some like, ah, it's going to be we're going to be uh, busy making sandwiches the next two months. So, you know, it's not going to not going to happen till midsummer. And then it dropped and everybody sort of, oh, my God. But obviously that case, no one no one surprised that Trump was in some legal trouble. Right. No one was surprised he was under investigation in New York. And I think most people, you know, some people get into this thing of like, oh, he's never going to get indicted. I'm not falling for that anymore. Don't try to don't try to throw me off base with these like constantly saying someone's going to happen. So anyway, you know, if we found out today that Trump, uh, uh, that Jack Smith guy had indicted Trump, we'd be pretty surprised not expecting it today. But it's not like it's it's like out of the blue. We know there's a big investigation. But this Tucker Carlson thing's totally out of the blue. I mean, no one thought. I mean, he's their biggest star, and uh, one of the one of the interesting things, and I mentioned this in a post yesterday. We're recording this Tuesday, a day earlier than usual. In case you're trying to place where we are in the in the news chronology, it's it's uh, Tuesday at twelve twenty seven as as I'm speaking. We, you know, he he's he's the big star, and one one thing I saw 
that was very interesting to me a couple days or a couple days ago. <laughs> yeah, okay, a couple days ago. I'm getting my, you know, getting my. Uh, we, we we experience a week or a month and a day these days. One of the things I saw was someone pointing out that if you looked at everything that Dominion came up with, most of the really bad stuff was from uh, Bartiromo, Lou Dobbs, Piro, you know, kind of the B team, and and people who are maybe on Fox Business and stuff like that. Carlson was in there, but he was not the one. He he was not the worst offender in in the narrow legal sense of saying really specific defamatory things. So if anybody was going to get fired, it was going to be like Maria Bartiromo, Judge Pirro. They already canned Lou Dobbs at the very beginning of this. He was like yanked without notice, like the second the suit was filed, because he was one of the worst offenders. So. Uh, you know, big surprise. He's their biggest draw. All that kind of stuff. But as I, but as I was thinking about this intro, you know, uh, what is it? You know, six, seven years ago now, Bill O'Reilly, who was originally the big guy, he's actually nine o'clock, not eight o'clock. Uh, or no, he was eight. Wait, eight o'clock. Yeah, he was eight o'clock. Uh, Tucker Carlson replaced him. Uh, obviously, that was at a, to a certain extent presaged a little more since I don't know he'd had like eight sexual harassment allegations and multiple suits and everything. Um, But the reason this is, and I was saying, you know, why is this feels bigger? And it's also kind of funny, like, why are we treating this as a major news event, right? If, if, if like there was a change in like MSNBC's programming or CNN, we wouldn't say, oh my God, how does, you know, this changes everything right now. Some of that is because Fox news works differently in the GOP ecosystem than these other networks do, right? It's a symbiotic. It's almost kind of like one organism, right? So it's different in that sense. But I think the big difference is that you can say Bill O'Reilly was outrageous and this and that and the other, and he was, and he was offensive. But there was no Bill O'Reilly ideology, except to the extent that sort of like middle-aged, angry white guy mad at the black people and the gays is an ideology. And that is an ideology, right? It is the Fox ideology. But there's something different with Tucker Carlson. He was pushing an ideology and pushing it in a certain way, in a way that made him kind of different than the rest of the Fox News hosts. And we'll get into that. But he he played a different, he played a role, he was playing a role in... Um, in our national politics, I think that was it wasn't just that he was had the highest ratings of the CNN hosts and and you know was the biggest lightning rod and stuff like that. He was basically kind of I, I saw someone saying this today, and I think this captures it. He was taking the Trump ideology and making it more ideological, making it more explicitly ideological. And to a great extent, removing Trump from the equation. Not that he was anti-Trump, although we saw in some of these private emails that he was anti-Trump. But unlike a Hannity, who half the time, Hannity is just, how do we defend Trump? You know, where is Trump on this? And how do I, uh, you know, do something that I that Josh can't even say on the air, even on this podcast, on you know, on, on, on Trump's behalf? Carlson was basically taking the great replacement ideology with its 
anti-Semitic overlayerings, the elites, the salt of the earth, working people of middle America. And he was kind of refining that into its concentrated form, again, without Trump and Trump's grievances being the central issue. And so that makes his firing, you know, uh, pretty consequential um, on a lot of different levels. Although obviously it's not going to be like, um, you know, Fox is going to like steal Chris Matthews and, or Chris Matthews, Chris, uh, Chris Hayes and like put him on at eight o'clock on Fox. You're going to get someone pretty much like, pretty much like him. And um, they've got a good record of, you know, creating new people. They didn't create Tucker, but they created him as this Tucker. Tucker wasn't this guy before he got to Fox. I'm not saying he was a great guy, but he's just different, right? He found kind of his footing at Fox. And so, and that leads us to the kind of the big mystery, which why, why, why did this happen? And we have not gotten any clear explanation for that. We still have not. And it's a day later. And um, in our news era, things move pretty quick. It's hard to keep things secret. And as I mentioned in a post yesterday, seeing lots of stories, well, this contributed to it. And uh, there was some pretty bad shit that came up in Discovery in the Dominion suit. And that was, you know, they needed to get rid of him because of that. And there's this harassment suit. And maybe there were, you know, kind of landmines there. And they had to get rid of, it, get rid of him because of that. And, uh, well, uh, Rupert Murdoch just will not brook any anti-Semitism. And that's why he got canned. And 10 other reasons. And the thing is, when there's, whenever, you, and this, this is a bit like the lead up to the Iraq war, right? You know, Josh has strange analogies, but work with me on this one. In the lead up to the Iraq war, there was like, you know, WMD and 9-11, and we were going to democratize Iraq, and uh, it was going to help Israel, and, you know, tw- you know, 30 different reasons, none of which had anything to do with each other. And you hear all these different reasons, and you're like, you know what? There can't be 30 reasons. Any one of these maybe could be the reason, but they can't all be the reason. So what's going on here? And there's something a little similar with this. There's not going to be a contributing reason why out of the blue, you fire your most popular host on your entire network. It's not going to be like an employment review where you're like, eh, good ratings, everybody loves him, blah, 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 blah. But you know, there's kind of, he was pretty critical of management, so I don't know. There's going to be one humongous reason why you do this so humongous that every other good and bad thing becomes irrelevant and you just have to do it. And we have not heard that yet. And I even had, you know, I was even thinking last night, like maybe, maybe this was just Rupert Murdoch is so old and so shaken up by this that he thought he had to kind of throw someone over the cliff to like propitiate the gods or something like that. You know, to some extent, maybe I'm under the influence of sort of succession here, right? That I'm thinking he's Logan Roy, but I think he is kind of Logan Roy. So maybe there's something to that too. So anyway, that is uh, what we are going to, um, what we're going to talk about today. We're also going to talk about, there was this other firing, Don Lemon at CNN. And there at least, that was, it was a surprise that it happened uh, yesterday. We weren't surprised, but I mean, he's been on the ropes at CNN for a long time for a lot of bad reasons and seemingly some good reasons too. Uh, but again, another another pretty big shakeup in the uh, cable news firmament. We had some technical difficulties. Um, 
before we were starting, and that means that I I had my I had the uh, the Grady's cold brew copy all, all queued up, and now I don't. But you know, listen, I can I can just tell you, uh, Grady's cold brew. Right, we're coming out of the winter. You need to get, you need to get your your supply ready. They've got these bean bag kits. It's the simplest thing in the world. You don't have to get all your little like you know uh, cold brew technology grinders and and pitchers and presses and stuff like that. You can do it. You can do it super easy. Go to Grady'sColdBrew.com and you can get twenty five percent off if you use the promo code TPM. So that's uh, get twenty five percent off with promo code TPM when you go to Grady'sColdBrew.com. So uh, check it out. It's great stuff. So, uh, Kay Regal, what the fuck is going on? It's funny. I was trying to think of when is the last time I've been so kind of rocked back on my heels by news that was so... Because like you say, it's even the kind of the biggest news events of the past few years. We kind of knew it was coming, you know, like Dobbs, we knew it wasn't a when, not an if, you know. I The first thing that occurred to me was when Trump got COVID, because I remember being super shocked by that. But even then, it was also like... Of course there he were got COVID. super spreaders all the time <laughs> around him, right? So this was kind of the first one that was... And I mean, a news earthquake that there was just no inkling of beforehand, which I think contributes to what you're talking about, which is that every write up I've seen is like, well, you know, he hated women or he was very racist or, you know, he <laughs> drove off advertisers. And it's like, yes, that is his Four years appeal. ago. Yeah. That is his <laughs> whole brand. Like, yeah, that's by design. Um yeah. So, and it's baffling because I think specifically the kind of sub genre of media journalism is like the most kind of gossipy, rumor heavy, um, blurry lines between kind of colleagues and friends and social contemporaries or whatnot. So it is just like pretty bizarre that we've reached this point in this new cycle and nobody has any idea. You know, all even like all the media reporters at the major outlets are doing just a little like, you know, th some person said this contributed. And it's like, of course, Tucker Carlson is to the majority of the country, a toxic brand. But again, by design has been that way for years. He is the face of the network because of that, not in spite of it. Um, so I think where we we should start, I guess, is the various kind of theories that you and I have talked about, that we've talked about with our other TPM colleagues, just kind of the various, you know, darts at the dartboard that that might kind of contribute and what we, you know, what we kind of think about them. Um, so I guess let's start with the Abby Grossberg lawsuit, because that one's coming up more and more ever since Tucker's executive producer, Justin Wells, was fired the same time that he was, which we'll get into. But not super unusual, right? Like anchors and EPs are usually pretty close at the hip. So I'm I'm not sure how compelling of evidence that is. But the thinking goes, Wells was, along with Carlson, was named as defendants on the Grossberg lawsuit, um, where she basically says Fox News attorneys bullied her into giving false testimony during the Dominion suit. Um, plus, 
told her to kind of uh, downplay the fact that her workplace was misogynistic and replete with sexual harassment and, um, you know, unfair pay disparities and and kind of the whole enchilada. And so yesterday I went back and, and read the 100 page lawsuit while the Tucker stuff was happening to kind of refresh myself on to what degree he was a primary antagonist in her lawsuit. Because even from the beginning, I kind of felt like, I'm sure her lawsuit isn't good for the network. But again, A, misogyny at Fox News is like not exactly breaking news. And B, Abby Grossberg is one person, right? The Dominion lawsuit was a company and we were talking about damages in the billions. Like her lawsuit is just not going to rival that in terms of size or threat to the company. So I was skeptical. But anyway, so I went through and like kind of looked for all the parts where he's mentioned her experience when she moves over to his show, leaving from uh, Maria Bartiromo's and he barely factors in like he is kind of part of it in the in the sense of, you know, the buck stops here. He allowed this workplace to be, a, a, I mean, a truly vile and horrific place for women to work. And utterly unsurprising. Yeah. Utterly right. unsurprising. But it's not really that he was mean to her or rude to her. Like their direct interactions in the brief is basically like one exchange that's put in there to kind of prove she was doing her job in a way that he wanted her to. And then, you know, she got kind of backstabbed by some of these various like creepy underlings that walk around and print out pictures of Nancy Pelosi in bikinis and stuff. But he's really only there because he's kind of, you know, he's the head of the of the org, right? It's his job to kind of tamp this down. And he obviously doesn't care, but it's not him as primary antagonist making her life miserable at Fox News. Yeah, and I think that, I mean, this isn't how it should be, but the way it is, for him to have his job endangered, I think that lawsuit would have to be, he kept propositioning me, he would, you know, show me pictures of naked women and like, you know, ask if I thought they were hot. It had to be, it would have to be him, him, him doing the stuff, Um, maybe not only him, but him doing a lot of bad stuff. And I have, you know, just the way that network rolls, I don't think he turned a blind eye to what other people were doing is going to would cut it for firing him. I just I just that's just not how it works there. And the other thing is, I saw some people saying, well, you know, you don't know what's going to come out of that. And sure, absolutely. But if you're the lawyer and and doing the sort of the the initial legal briefs and the comms for that, you are going to hit with something really big in the initial news story. Because of course you do. You're not going to say, well, there's the time Tucker did that, but we'll get to that at trial. Not how it works. Could be, sure. But again, that's just that's just not how it works. You would, you would um, all lawsuits are all lawsuits of these kinds. And when I say these kinds, ones that are going to have, you know, are going to be a big public presence, whether they're Dominion or a sexual harassment case at at, at Fox, you are going to start the conversation with some really stunning accusations. And if possible, backing them up with some emails or stuff like that. And as Kate says, it's just not there in the initial uh, lawsuit. And that just, it, it, it would be very different from anything in our experience that that with him as a buck stops here um, offender, that just doesn't, you, you don't get fired for that. Certainly the biggest person at the entire network does not get fired for that. Right. And I think 
to kind of poke another hole in that theory of we don't know what would come out, which of course not. But I think people are maybe thinking a little bit about the Dominion case in that and thinking, well, like, oh, we didn't get the text until discovery. Right. And that was the big damning part for Fox News, which is true. But this lawsuit is coming from someone who worked inside the company who's trying to show that these people have you know, broken laws in their conduct. And it's not that it's kind of this overarching uh, broad sweep of her experience. I mean, it's super, super detailed episodes, complete with, you know, the text messages, the quotes that people said. And I mean, all of Carlson's kind of, including his EP, his underlings, I mean, they look terrible, awful, just bad people. And he is just kind of the, he looms because it's his show, but he's not really involved in the day-to-day interactions that she's talking about. So yeah, I think this is one of the theories that to me is like, I mean, I see you, I see why some people are reaching for it. It's, it's recent, right? The lawsuit was only in March. Um, And if you subscribe to the heaping up effect, I can see this being a compelling thing, but I kind of agree with you that it's got to be bigger. Him letting his underlings be dicks is not going to bring down the face of the network. Yeah. And and it's it's also like no one is surprised. No, no one could be remotely surprised that this is the kind of scene that exists over there. And it does seem like his show was particularly bad. And 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 again, that's not a surprise because it is very, you know, kind of militant frat boy energy there. Right. Um, She had bad experiences working on Bartiromo shows, Bartiromo's show. So clearly, even when you've got uh, the, you know, top, the, the top person is a woman, you're still a fox, right? Um, so yeah, it just doesn't, it, it, it doesn't seem like enough. And again, it's not like, I think when you really talk brass tacks, if you are inside Fox, you're not going to say like, yeah, he's he was just the the buck stops with him. But still, look what it's said about our internal culture. Well, like nothing. Because everybody assumes that you guys are like that, so if that just it just uh, builds up the brand, and I'm in, I'm half being facetious, but not really, right? I mean, everyone assumes it is like this, and and I think O'Reilly is a um, is a good example here because O'Reilly, I mean, I I lose track of which ones were settled and which we can say are still alleged, but you know, he was very um, plausibly multiple allegations of him, you know, harassing all sorts of different women and doing a lot of things himself. It just, it just doesn't add up. And um, yeah, based on what we know, it does not add up as a plausible explanation. Okay. So let's move on to one of the other leading theories, which, you know, we can term the, the Rupert Murdoch is losing it theory, right? Which basically says that He's 92, right? He's getting up there um, and that he is growing kind of more impulsive and tempestuous with age and that people are mumbling doubts about his fitness to kind of steer this this news behemoth um, and that he was displeased, particularly with some of the texts that came out from Dominion that showed Carlson kind of, you know, shit talking the management and uh being disloyal to the upper echelons of Fox News. And so uh, being the the kind of decrepit and uh, tempestuous man he is, Murdoch just said, out with him. And that's that. And that's why we've ha- really no detail about 
what it was about his conduct because it just boils down to the titan of the company deciding he'd had enough. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) it's funny. I did a post last night where I kind of I basically said something like this as an alternative explanation, but I also said like, you know, interpret this as like somewhere between like an edge case possibility and an alternative universe possibility, because it's kind of absurd on its face. And yet, and yet, I would still say that. I think edge case, alternative universe, but, but we seem to have reporting that says that Suzanne Scott called Tucker yesterday morning and did not tell him why he was being fired. That's a little odd, and and um, who knows who the source is for that, since presumably only two people on the call. Um, but let's assume for the moment that's true, okay? Um, and then you have this weird thing about all of these con- this contributed, that contributed. Um, when I thought about it, it did kind of make me wonder. Well, maybe that's because no one actually knows what the fuck is going on here, and everybody, even inside Fox News, is saying, "Well, he did kind of." criticize everybody a lot and this and that and maybe this and maybe that. And it it does occur to me that, you know, he is 92 years old. Uh, there was this guy, Max Taney, uh, did a piece at Semaphore. I'm, I apologize for mispronouncing the name. I don't think I've ever heard it. I've read it a million times. I've never heard it pronounced. Um, basically did an article saying like, he's just, Murdoch's done a lot of weird things over the last year. You know, he was going to like re, you know, uh, re reattach the two companies together. He was going to do this. He announced a new marriage. Then he unannounced it, uh, you know, a month later. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, things that are kind of like a bit all over the place. And it did make me wonder how he's just, you know, as much as some people wanted to pretend that Fox kind of dodged a bullet or got away with something, he's just had one of the biggest professional humiliations of his entire life. It cost him a billion dollars. Did make me wonder maybe he just sometimes powerful men especially powerful older men will just do something intentionally inexplicable and weird just to show people they're still the big dog and you never know what they're going to do and they'll and they'll you know uh kind of a jealous god just wipe someone out from out of nowhere um at the end of the day i don't find that a very a very plausible explanation um but some version of that might be true. It is really weird that we're a day into this and we don't have any idea why this happened. And none of the explanations add up. Let me let me actually just mention quickly one thing that has come up in a lot of emails. A number of people have asked, is it possible that this was like a secret provision of the deal with Dominion, that they had to fire Tucker Carlson? I've seen a number of lawyers say, no, not how it works. And I don't know from a legal perspective if that can be how it works or doesn't work. But I'm pretty sure from a logical perspective, it is absolutely not how it works. And and this is why. Dominion felt they had repaired their reputation as much as they were able to do and needed to do. They also got over a billion dollars. They don't care whether whether Tucker Carlson still works at Fox News. They, they couldn't care less. They got what they think they needed, and they truly do not care whether Tucker Carlson works there. It would be conceivable if it were a public part of the thing that that would show how strong they were. That you know, Fox had to pay, pay a big price, um, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But as a secret thing, it makes no sense at all because they don't care. So I think we can just 
for listeners, if you're thinking about that, scratch that off the list. That is not what happened. There's also, yeah, I mean, and the biggest thing with Dominion is just it makes no sense for it to be Tucker. Like, of the ones named in the suit, he had at times pushed back against some of the conspiracy theories that actually became, um, I think, a, a big part of the case where the judge said clearly some people at Fox knew what was up and pointed to Tucker's yeah. uh, comments. So, yeah, I mean, the Dominion thing is only compelling because of the timing. I think otherwise, the connection to Tucker himself is so tenuous with that lawsuit. He simply wasn't one of the biggest offenders on that front. Exactly. He fit into it in this different way, as you say, because he was like, dude, this is crazy. Yeah. Okay. So I think the other kind of big, well, relatively bigger theory that's been circulating is the Ray Epps theory, um, which is kind of of this genre of stories that Fox News hosts are are kind of dead set about talking about, even though it's obviously legally dangerous, uh, even though it's kind of, it's one of these things where Fox News plucks figures out of obscurity and makes them into these like giant MAGA universe main characters, even if they're just kind of normal people. And in this case... And for for our listeners, before we go on, give people just a 30 second version of who Ray Epps is, because I'm not sure everybody's going to know even who this guy is. Yeah. So he was like this pro-Trump guy, right? And he was at January 6th, um, he like, you know, he just kind of your, your, your typical uh, Trumpy, whatever part of this swept up, blah, blah, blah. And then he, and I don't know if this originated with Tucker, if this was kind of an online thing that bubbled up to him. I think the, I think the, the latter. Okay. Yeah, I, th- I think it became a kind of an online conspiracy theory. First. Right. Of which is such a healthy pipeline with Fox News, but basically turns him into this like he's a deep state agent, right? He's a plant. He is uh, an operative who's like masquerading as a MAGA guy. And now, and this is like of the vein of the Seth Rich stuff, if our, our listeners remember that, which was, you know, a uh, what was he, a Democratic operative who... He was just someone who had a, had a middling job at the DNC. Just right. And he was guy, yeah. killed in like a burglary gone awry. And they spun that into this whole big conspiracy theory that put his like grieving parents through the ringer for years. Um, it's, it's of that genre where this character has been created and made huge and fantastic and powerful. Um, and in this case, Epps has been has said, you know, that he had to go into hiding. The FBI has like put out an official statement that Epps is not working for them and never has. Um, And I guess there was a big 60 minutes segment on this, what, Sunday? So right before before Tucker got the ouster, which is what has given this theory legs, I think that, you know, because everyone's trying to figure out why this timing, right? So, so maybe it's the 16 minutes things and the Epps thing and Epps has um, made gestures in the direction of pursuing legal action, um, you know, about the kind of alleged uh, defamation here. But and uh, oh, I'm interested to hear what you think, because in this one, at the very least, Carlson is the main character, right? Like he's the main one who has been uh, kind of re-upping this conspiracy theory day after day. And, and this is his thing. So I think in that way, it is a little bit distinctive from the Grossberg thing and the Dominion thing, where he was just such a more of like a secondary character. Here, at least he is the primary antagonist. But again, I think to me, it's just like Fox News and litigation 
friendly entities. I mean, that is kind of the downside of wanting to do some light conspiracy theorizing. It's not new to them. I don't think Ray Epps is the kind of person who is of such stature or wealth or power that he represents a kill shot to the network. So again, it's just I'm, I'm skeptical. Yeah, so so the Epps thing was is one of the more plausible explanations that I've seen of this, but it's still not very plausible in my mind. Uh, you know, this is one of those cases, as you said, they uh, pluck someone out of total obscurity and make him the evil bad guy. And Tucker has carried the ball. It is pretty egregious, um, but you know. <laughs> like everything else they do, it's 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 pretty egregious. And he, you know, they just had the sixty minutes special. His lawyer has made some, you know, some 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 threatening noises. And I do think, and this applies to a lot of potential Fox News litigants, that people who think they've got a solid case against Fox look at this settlement and say, "Wow, they paid these guys a billion dollars. They're ready to cut checks. Like, why, you know." Why am I not getting in on that action? There's a couple problems with that. The, the, the Epps thing's been sitting out there forever. I mean, it's literally for like a year and a half. They've been maybe longer. They've been going on about it. A key thing with Dominion is that they are a commercial operation. And, you know, damages are about damages that you can at least somewhat plausibly back up. Uh, Ray Epps is just some older guy living somewhere in America he may be retired. I don't know if he's like a truck driver or who knows what. There are just limits on what his plausible damages can be. Um, certainly, his 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 uh, you know compensatory damages can be. And I would think that Fox would look at this and say, "All right, if he files a lawsuit, we're going to cut him a check for like five million dollars and just be done with it." And five million is a huge amount of money to us mortals, but like they just cut a check for, or they're about to cut a check for $800 million. So it just, it, it, it just doesn't add up. And that's kind of where we are. It simply does not explain um, the totality of this one. And one thing I, one thing I originally thought was, because I guess what Epps has, has, has said he wants in these sort of like demand statements is he wants Tucker Carlson to go on TV and say, hey, I'm really sorry. Everything I was saying was bullshit. You had nothing to do with any of this. And maybe Tucker Carlson said, fuck that. I'm not doing that. I'm Tucker Carlson. I'm not going to humiliate myself that way. And things spun out of control and he was fired. But everything we have seen is that that's not what happened, that there was no um, uh, ricocheting progress of events that way. So big picture, it again, it's just not a plausible explanation of what happened here, which is in media terms, the equivalent of like a summary execution of your biggest guy doesn't add up. And now, you know, we're over 24 hours from this news breaking and we still haven't heard anything from Tucker himself. He hasn't put out any kind of public statement and has, you know, declined to comment um, and everything I've seen. So, you know, it's interesting. Mystery abounds. We'll, you know, keep following this as kind of one of the biggest media stories um, of recent history. And now let's talk about a another big, though I think not quite as big, story that broke yesterday that the CNN comms team perhaps um, sensing a, a good opportunity to unload their baggage as well, um, which is that Don Lemon, who recently uh, got a new gig doing this kind of like soft focus 
la-di-da morning show alongside um, Caitlin Collins and Poppy Harlow that comes as CNN is trying and struggling a bit to kind of find its footing. Um, it, like basically every media outlet, kind of uh, had a had a shtick during the Trump era, right, where it encouraged its on-air talent to be combative and aggressive, tear it up with uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders during briefings. Um, and that kind of went by the wayside. And now they're doing this thing where they're trying to be less, quote unquote, partisan, you know, whatever that means, which just seemed to kind of like boot anyone who's too liberal from the ranks and try to make it um, more, I guess, appealing to, to those on the right or kind of, you know, the, the Lincoln Party types, the, the never right, Trumper right. conservative, whatever. And part of that was to take Don Lemon, who had been remolding himself in that kind of combative Trump era form to take him from the night show to the soft focus morning show. Um, but this one, unlike the Tucker Carlson one, had some foreshadowing. Um, his big dust up was obviously when he said on air, he called Nikki Haley a woman past her prime and then goes on to specify in case anyone's wondering that a woman's prime is her 20s and her 30s, maybe her 40s. But I think after that, you know, might as well take her around back and just just kill her now. But um, so that was a big dust up. He like had to apologize. Nikki Haley immediately started selling merch. And the Nikki Haley thing seemed to just kind of be the reach of behavior that was widely known to be happening. And a Variety article really uh, did the yeoman's work of detailing all of that, which is that he has had issues with female co-anchors for a long time, um, that he was kind of purposely removed from, from working with women, and that this morning show was the first time that he's been putting being put back in that position. Um, so I'm just kind of like weird, almost cartoonish behavior of uh, a falling out with his former co-anchor and texting her, you know, threats about how he's going to take down her career. Um, as this kind of thing does, it has also opened the floodgates to anyone who's kind of got an anecdote about Don Lemon. And I don't know if you saw this one, but the funniest one was that he was out to dinner with, uh, with someone and he told her she I guess she was considering what dessert to order and she was considering the sorbet and he was like it's pronounced sorbet and she like giggled because she thought he was joking and he was like no it's sorbet like obviously and then the waiter comes over and he orders sorbet and the waiter's like my man that's sorbet you know but anyway all this kind of stuff that he was kind of um, the way you put it, Josh, before we got on air was, you know, a problem child that he kind of uh, was a difficult personality, you know, all this kind of stuff. Anyway, we'd been having foreshadowing that he came with a lot of baggage, that the show hasn't been doing well, this um, kind of attempt to do a softball morning type thing. So him leaving is definitely less of an earthquake, you know, than Tucker is and uh, but there was you know a, a little bit of last minute drama there which is that he put out one of those like uh, classic celebrity notes app type statements type thing it was like weirdly formatted and the font was blue um and he kind of said you know after 17 years I, you would think that i would at least get the heads up when i'm being ousted and then the cnn communications Twitter replied and said, you know, that's not true. We we offered him to meet with management and he put out that statement instead. Whatever. We are the lemon has been squeezed. He is out at CNN. 
Yeah, I, I <laughs> there was this Variety article which I read this morning. I I knew about the Nikki Haley thing. I knew nothing beyond that, and I think that. Uh, he has always worked at, I guess, times of the. I mean, I don't watch a lot of cable TV anymore, and I haven't in a long time. Um, we used to back when we were full time in our office at TPM, we would kind of play uh, play cable news during the day. But in any case, I, I don't have a lot of experience watching his shows. What I've seen has been mainly from like clips, right, kind of highlight moments and stuff like that. And so I didn't know any of this uh, misogyny stuff or problem getting along with female hosts until I read that Variety article. And I will say, because that, that Variety article, I think, is maybe from early April. So, it's from mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago, something like that. And um, I assume the stuff in there is accurate, but it read to me like the kind of story that gets written when the network decides to open the book on you, right? <laughs> and so, it kind of seemed to foreshadow it in that you know, in that sense. I mean, because, you know, kind of before I read that, I had, um, you know, because uh, Licht has, has either gotten rid of a lot of people at CNN or has, you know, kind of publicly let them swing in the wind and, and you know, implicitly kind of beg for their job or show they can sort of get right with the new, with the new approach at CNN. So, I had seen it largely through that prism. Um, with the variety article it you know <laughs> it seems like a lot else it's it, it it's still a little hard for me to f- to figure because is he really being canned for that after all this time i i kind of saw the haley thing as um you know he was already clearly they wanted to get rid of him and he gave them a pretty good reason with that. So I kind of thought the writing was maybe on the wall for him. Uh, the whole thing is kind of a bit of a mess because, you know, he, l- let's assume that's true, what they said. Okay. That he did, that he was offered to meet with management. I think if they, if they call you up in the morning and say, Hey, you're fired. He'd like to come up and talk with Chris for a few minutes. Why don't you come on up? You know, <laughs> I'm not sure you, who wants to have that talk? Right. Or or even if they say kind of out of the blue, hey, come up and talk to the CEO. We got some news we want to share with you. <laughs> even if that's true, I found the whole thing a little off. I mean, you fire someone, they're going to be upset. If they kind of characterize something a little off, I don't think you put out another tweet saying, hey, he, we, we totally offered him to discuss his firing. It, it just like wiser comms hands at CNN would just say, Okay, we're we're gonna move past this. Right. You know, let let it go. Right. I mean, it kind of everybody it, ended up looking pretty bad here. Yeah, and as it is, you're deciding to like put this guy out with the trash of you know a super <laughs> crowded news cycle, hoping yeah. that people don't pay so much attention to your thing. Like, yeah, he, you know, it sounds like he has done a lot of bad things for sure, but. I think it's a pretty normal human reaction to be upset. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, it's cer- certainly kind sure of Tucker's like... Tucker's upset too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's one of these things where, I, you know, I, I, I believe those things happened, or at least I assume they happened um, because variety is a legitimate, you know, w- when, when someone wants to kind of put all your dirty laundry out there, that doesn't mean the dirty laundry isn't true. 
right? I'm, I'm, I'm sure Variety is a, is a legitimate publication. I don't think they would just kind of uh, get on the phone with someone at CNN and tell them all these stories and they would just print it. So I assume it's true. I'm not so clear that is why he was being fired. You know, he's just outspoken. You know, the thing that, that there was a, uh, there was an interview he did, I guess, just a couple days ago with this Republican presidential candidate, where the Republican presidential candidate was saying this, uh, Vivek, I, I apologize, mm-hmm. I don't remember exactly how to pronounce his name. Um, but in any case, where uh, the, the guy was saying all this stuff about, well, African-Americans got their freedoms because of the Second Amendment and the NRA, just total nonsense. And Lemon was kind of like, dude, what are you talking about? And and it was, it was clearly one of those things where I think to the eyes of new CNN management, Lemon would have been coming at him with a, with a kind of a resistance posture. Right, that's not true. That's Trump hogwash. That's BS. Blah 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 blah. And and uh, his co-anchor, which I'm not sure if it was, it wasn't Caitlin. I guess it was Poppy Harlow or or whoever it was 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 kind of sitting there, and you can see this look on her face, sort of like, dude, Don, <laughs> you were told not to do this, and you're like, okay, you know, you're you're. I guess this is this is your final interview, kind of this very uncomfortable thing. And I think I think that has him talking talking to the producers in his earphone or he's like if you're going to talk to me in my earphone here i can't i can't do the interview so i think even they were saying dude stop stop don't 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 go down this path um so uh it kind of rings a little more true to me that that is why he was being fired even if all this other stuff completely merited his firing um but who knows it's kind of it's a big mess all yeah. around. And I mean, I want to be abundantly clear here. Like the details in the variety story go back years. Yeah, like like so, I think yeah, like years and years and years. So, you know, the evidence is that he has a problem working with women. That is grounds for firing. He should not have been able to stay in the industry as long as he has. And like I don't want any of this to be misconstrued that we are shedding tears for him. Um also, you know, this CNN coming out with the like, well, we offered to give him a meeting to tell him he was fired. Like, <laughs> fuck you guys too. And also, this is obviously not because you care about how he treats women. It's because he's become a big enough of a problem in other ways that you want to get rid of him. So no heroes in this story. Totally no heroes. Totally no heroes. And just, just, just messy. Exactly. Messy. A day of freaking cable news mess, I tell yeah. you. Yeah, um, no question. You know, and we don't we don't have to super get into this, but, you know, we've been having uh, some technical problems on this pod, which I'm sure you, the listener, won't even notice due to our uh, uh, Jackie, our producers, uh, editing magic. But while we were kind of waiting for a second, we also saw that uh, Nate Silver is out at ABC, um, which is not exactly of a piece with uh, the cable news mess. But God, the general media mess of this week has just been ricocheting in all directions. Yeah. The, the, uh, the, the thing that was a little confusing to me about that is at least the initial reports we've seen is that uh, this, this is part of some uh, layoffs at ABC. So I don't think it, this isn't like Nate Silver was fired. This is that there's another round of layoffs and he's leaving ABC as part of these layoffs. What was confusing to me is that at least the initial reports say that 538 will stay with ABC. And I had at least understood that first with the New York Times and then with ABC, that Silver had, um, 
you know, basically was licensing his brand to these mega brands for periods of time, but he retained ownership of the thing. So at the end of X number of years, he can go take it to the next place. So I was unclear about exactly what, how that happened. Now, um, uh, you know, I, I, I think I was just wrong, but in this case, uh, you know, Nate kind of fired me as a friend a couple months ago on <laughs> on Twitter because he had found we had argued a few times about COVID. So I guess he no longer, uh, you know, he's he's written me off. But we've been acquaintances for some time. And a few years ago, like, I, you know, we had dinner and talked about some of this stuff. So I, it, this isn't just something I vaguely heard. I thought I knew this. But you know, I guess something changed. Either maybe I missed, maybe the arrangement with ABC was different. Maybe it changed subsequent to that. I'm a, I guess I'm a little unclear. I actually like 30, 538 a lot, but, but digital media brands have a pretty hard time, you know, pretty hard time making money. So I, I, I and, and I don't know if they're going to have the, uh, you know, are they still going to do the big election prediction models without him since he's, you know, supposed to be such a big part of that. So I have, I have no idea. You know, the underlying conclusion of this pod is corporate journalism sucks, sucks the people involved, sucks to the people involved, sucks in every way, uh, which is why if you don't support TPM, you should because yeah, we don't totally do should. this kind of shit. Yeah. Yes, I, I <laughs> that is absolutely true. And I, and, I, and I will say, you know, you have one of the many reasons why what Kate just said is true is that in these big mega corporations, you have things happening that don't necessarily have a lot to do with the news, right? You have some new strategy coming down from the parent corporation. You have, it's just, it's just, it's just weird. So yeah, yeah. become a member of TPM. That's the moral <laughs> of the story. So we're going to wrap up with some non-media related news, which is last Friday night, we finally got word from the Supreme Court on the big Mifepristone case that has been kind of dominating uh, the headlines, which, you know, last we heard the Fifth Circuit was going to reimpose all these restrictions on the drug, potentially take the generic form of the drug off the market altogether. Um, the DOJ and uh, Danko, one of the manufacturers of Mifepristone, appealed to the Supreme Court, basically saying, hey, put these lower court rulings on ice, at least until this case makes its way back up to you. The thing is, in a normal judiciary, this should have been a no-brainer. I mean, you've got lower court rulings that have caused uproar, you know, by, by legal observers and scholars and all these people saying these opinions are insane, that this relies on no precedent, that this would kind of completely demolish the way the FDA operates, you know, far removed from uh, mifepristone. But it's abortion and it's the Supreme Court. So you can never feel that comfortable in that. Ultimately, we finally got the ruling on Friday. The justices who grant, voted to grant the stay didn't write anything. So we're not exactly sure how the vote breakdown goes because you don't have to mark down that you're, which way you voted. Uh, we know for sure that Alito dissented from granting this day. And we know that Thomas wouldn't have granted this day. The, the difference there is just that Alito wrote out his dissent and Thomas didn't join his dissent. So he's just kind of separately wouldn't have granted this day. Um, but we don't know exactly how the other seven voted. Uh, we can kind of assume that they probably would have registered their dissent if they did. But we know reasonably we can be sure that the three liberals voted to grant this day. And then that would have been two more conservative votes needed. Um, 
for the way it, it shook out. Um, and then the the other four pages are basically Alito um, doing this kind of protracted temper tantrum where he calls out his fellow colleagues, including notably Amy Coney Barrett, uh, for being hypocritical about criticizing the use of the shadow docket, which is where they handed this decision down. And of course, he's being completely uh, disingenuous in that because nobody's saying that the court shouldn't have a mechanism to decide things very quickly when there's a, a, a time crunch. Of course you need that, right? I mean, appeals of, of being put to death by states come up to the Supreme Court all the time. What people are mad about is they keep using that to change precedent or settle huge questions without even telling people their reasoning or, or, or you know, bringing the arguments to full trial at all. So basically, he spends time whining about that and saying they're being hypocrites and they shouldn't have granted this stay either. Then he transitions into uh, this doesn't matter anyway, because the Biden administration are scoff laws and they wouldn't even listen to anything this court said if it was an unfavorable opinion, which is kind of taking those calls we've seen from the left uh, for the FDA to use as enforcement discretion and leave the drugs on the market and escalating that into uh, you are enemies of the rule of law. But, you know, the notable thing is like, OK, Alito whining about a, a decision that like vaguely temporarily maintains abortion rights is not a shock. But what is notable is he does not even try to defend the merits of the lower court rulings here. All of his whining is procedural stuff. None of it is, you know, these are legitimate opinions that that deserve our respect. Of course not, because they're ridiculous. The rulings are ridiculous. Everyone knows they're ridiculous. Even Alito can't bring himself to be like, and these decisions were really good and well-reasoned, you know. But the practical effect of this is it's going to take months for the case to go through the merits process at the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals and then probably come back to the Supreme Court. And for the duration of that time, Mifepristone will remain available as usual with its current restrictions everywhere in the country, which was not a guarantee before Friday. Yeah, I'm not an expert on these uh on these specifics about shadow dockets and and sort of uh, appellate procedure in the in the federal courts, but at least from my limited understanding, this is exactly when you should use this kind of procedure because there's nothing really much to discuss here. All they are saying is that you can't do this injunction to have it, you know, to basically make your decision have temporary effect while everybody else is figuring out whether you have any right to do it at all. So that is kind of, as you say, the, the um, uh, death penalty final appeals kind of stuff is a, is, is a comparable thing. There's really nothing to discuss. There's, there's no question of what they're doing is very, is, is simply saying, look, the, the, you're not going to hold, the, we're not going to let this injunction kind of stay in place. And um, again, there's, there, there's no, there's no precedent. There's no legal issue to discuss there at all. So it is just whining, and it's certainly good that um, that this was at least for six months. I don't know how long people expect this to take exactly, but but at least for now, this will continue to be available. Um, my sense is probably that that the the justices on the Supreme Court kind of know they're they're a bit out on a out on a limb here um, for political in in a political sense they're they don't mind being out on a limb in a in a legal sense but my guess is this will eventually go the way of the supporters of the availability of this drug but 
I wouldn't wouldn't put money on it. Yeah, I wrote a post kind of um, dissecting the tea leaves of this order. And the thing that you're kind of left with is we, we're not sure, right? This was four pages of Alito whining, essentially. But it's at least an indication that the conservative justices are not like super amped to take this up or to make this the one that kind of kills the availability of the abortion drug. And part of how you make that calculation is that the people who either give cues to the court or who the court at the very least don't like pissing off are not being that rabid about this. You know, you have Lindsey Graham saying, I'll live with whichever way it comes down. You know, the, the Wall Street Journal editorial board saying that judges can't substitute their own reasoning in for the the kind of expertise of agencies. Um, it's just, it was decisions handed down by anti-abortion hacks and everyone knows it. And, the dis- and I still think if the decision only created massive destruction within the world of abortion, it would probably be well on its way to becoming the, the law of the land. But it would just throw the entire kind of pharmaceutical industry into complete turmoil. And I would tentatively guess that the Supreme Court, which is going to have no shortages of uh, lawsuits trying to get up there to give them more chances to hack back abortion access, can, I mean, they can afford to kind of sit back and wait for something that isn't just so buffoonish to achieve those ends. Yeah, I, I think that's right. And I think that that there's another aspect of who they're hearing from. I mean, I think those things are are those things are meaningful to them, but I have a pretty low opinion of a lot of these justices. And because of that, I think that Republicans, elected Republicans are signaling to them, this is not, don't do this. Don't do this. Because I think they know that abortion is already going to be a big, if not the biggest issue uh, in the 2024 election. And you do this and you just turbocharge it like crazy because suddenly you have it's moving into the blue states, all the kind of stuff. And they're very political. And I don't think they want to, I think all of, you know, all of these things um, push in the same direction. So I just don't, I think it's just a little more than they want to bite off. Not to mention the fact that it really would upend the whole pharmaceutical system. um, And they would have to kind of clean that up. And I don't think they want to do that. That doesn't sound fun to them. Honestly, this case kind of reminds me of uh, Moore v. Harper, the big independent state legislature theory that has since been thrown into turmoil because of the North Carolina Supreme Court. But after oral arguments, I was left with this sense of you could tell some of the right wing justices like wanted to get it there, wanted to get satisfactory answers from the, you know, the lawyers pushing the theory, but just kind of a pervasive sense of dissatisfaction, like this is not going to do it. You know, this this is not quite enough. Um, and that's kind of, I think, the sense you get here, which is, you know, not that the court is suddenly going to moderate on abortion in any kind of way, but there is at least some very, very low bar that they feel like the lawsuit has to meet to not just be completely ridiculous. Um, and this one also seems to be falling a bit short of that. Right, right, right. So, yeah, I mean, so possibly good news through all of those, you know, good news for bad reasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Okay, well, uh, remember that the uh, Josh Marshall podcast is brought to you by Grady's Cold Brew Ice Coffee. You can get uh, 25% off any order by using the promo code TPM, and that is at Grady'sColdBrew.com. All right. 
All See right, you next that's week. it for this week. Later. The Josh Marshall Podcast is hosted by me, TPM reporter Kate Riga, and TPM founder, editor-in-chief Josh Marshall. The show is produced by Jackie Wilhelm. Thanks to Why Not Jansfeld for our podcast theme song, and thanks to all our TPM members who make this possible. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and subscribe wherever you listen. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, Use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.